guys. All right, so we are learning about Jepta. Last week we talked about Jepta. Um, lessons from Jepta from Judges eleven, and so we got all the way to when Jepta told the king of Ammon that uh, he's God is going to be the ultimate judge, right? And so now we're going to look and see more lessons that we can learn from how he won the war. Um, and also lessons from his own personal uh, life that we can also learn from. So this is part two. Thank you so much for listening to part one. I hope that you were blessed, that you learned something that God ministered to you, you know, uh, through this time. So let's go into it. But before that, I want to talk to you all about something that God is sharing. guys all right so i did the intro um i want to share something that god is talking about currently concerning the body of christ um and also specifically to those that are going through trials and tribulations or you feel like you are in the wilderness um not just that but also um to those that are called into the fivefold ministry especially if you believe that you're called into the apostolic um a lot of people in 2021 and 2022 uh, really desire to be prophet and apostle because that was the, the time that this um, this knowing of what apostles are and what prophets are became even more well-known because there were a lot of false prophets that were out there prophesying, prophesying to people because of the pandemic and people's lives were just literally turned upside down and so people were seeking you know revelation seeking direction encouragement something to help them and then emerged a lot of false prophets out there um and people literally like all of a sudden put in prophet to their names you know prophet so and so prophetess so so and so apostles so and so and you know, God knows about false prophets because he did warn us, right? And he said that we have to test them by the fruit. And also, if their word that they speak does not happen, then God did not send them. 
Um, and this is a, a type of a warning and also encouragement to those, well, a warning to those that are not prophets or apostles that um, are trying to be it without the grace of God. And then a encouragement to those that are apostles, um, specifically apostles and prophets that are actually called by God. And I already did a, you know, a teaching about knowing a true prophet from an, a false prophet and also um, the apostle um, ministry. But, you know, people go online and they just get this certificate. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet overnight. It's not, it's not an overnight thing. You know, Jeremiah was called at a very young age, right? So was Samuel. Samuel was called from the belly of his mother, um, it's not a overnight thing ever. It's a, it's a lifetime, lifestyle, lifetime thing. And you go through intense, um, education and also intense education with the Holy Spirit education, you know, for, at a school and also edu- education with the Holy Spirit education with the Holy Spirit starts before you even realize that you need to go to a school, a physical school. And so what God is trying to uh, minister to those um, that are calling themselves prophets or apostles overnight is that you got to be careful because there are spirits that are um, sent against prophets and apostles. You go through warfare, intense warfare. You go through temp- temptations by the devil. You go through testing by God. Uh, just as we see with Jesus after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness in in uh, Matthew 4, he had to be tempted by the enemy, you know, and he, he had to use his word. And so that's why you got to know your word as a p- true prophet. Um, you got to be able to um, pass those tests. M- you know, after he was um, tempted by the devil, angels came to minister to him. And that is apostolic as well, because ap- apostles are able to um, be ministered to by angels. They're able to sense angels, you're able to see them. And, and prophets too, but uh, you will get, you will be assigned angels before you get into your your apostolic uh, ministry. And we see that after that, Jesus went on and, you know, continued his mission, even with more power and more authority than he did before. And so what God is saying is that if you are not a true apostle, if you've not been ordained and truly gone through the testing, the schooling, the temptations, and all of that, you, this is a conviction message for you because you're opening yourself to spirits, demons, principalities that are, they know, they, like, when you walk in the apostolic, demons know, even if you go to the, you know, outside, they are able to tell, okay? They can Demons can see your light, the light of Jesus on you. Demons can, they, they know. So you don't, you know, you don't even have to reveal yourself. It's because of the light of God on you, the, the, the spirit of the Lord upon you, they're able to see it, okay? And so if you don't have the angels backing you up, you are going into horrible territory that you're going to be consumed and devoured by the enemy, Okay? And so that's the warning. And this is an encouragement for those that are, you know, called as apostles and prophets. And you're going through your wilderness season. You find yourself like Jesus in the wilderness. Um, and God is saying that he will bring, you know, your Peter, James, and John. 
and you will be able to show your true self to them. You know, Jesus really showed transformed on the mountain um, before James, Peter, and John. Uh, we see it in Mark 9, right? And God will allow you to meet your Peter, James, and John. Uh, in the wilderness, no Peter, no James, no John was there. It was just Jesus and his word. And so what God is telling you is that you got to dig into your word. Sometimes he might wake you up and you don't really feel like worshiping and praying, but you feel like you need to open your word and indulge in it and read. Uh, you know, just as with prayer, we have burden prayers, right? We have prayers where we, we have a burden. God will put a burden on you to pray until you complete that assignment, then that burden will lift off. The same with reading your word. There is a burden to read a certain passage in the word of God. And uh, and as you read it um, and you get all that you need to get out of it, that burden will lift off of you, okay? And so the reason why you're not passing your test is because you've not indulged in the word of God. You've not asked God to help you get clarity of his word, get revelation, really dig deeper into the word of God, okay? You've not asked questions. And so when the enemy brings those temptations, and God will lead you to be tempted. It's, well, not tempted, but, you know, tested. To him, he sees it as tested. But the enemy can um, bring temptation, okay? there There's a lot of temptation that you have to pass as a prophet, as an apostle. There's temptation to, just as we see it in, you know, Mark 4, when Jesus said, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is temptation of uh, gluttony. You know, the devil was literally bringing him temptation of power, temptation of gluttony, like turn these rocks into bread. That's that's working your power outside of God's will, right? So, and then when you turn it, you turn the, the the rocks into bread. He he's fasting, so he he would he would desire to eat it, right? And so that could open the door for gluttony. So those type of like temptations, you know. And we also see here it says it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And he, the devil was telling him to you know um, basically throw his body down and the angels will come and you know because god says in 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 um, psalms 91 that he will give his angels his angels um to have charge over us so that we will not hit our feet we would not hit our feet against a stone i'm paraphrasing but basically the enemy was trying to tempt him to basically tempt God, to put God in positions. And that in positions that he, we should not put him in, in, right? That comes with being a prophet. People will come up to you and be like, you know, prophesy to me. It's, it does not work like that. You know, as Micah said, you know, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says, I will say. Whatever the Lord doesn't say, I will not say, right? So you will get people. The devil will send people to you, even people who are in authority, leadership. To, you know, to, to test you and say, oh, if you're a true prophet, prophesy to me. It does not work like that. And so you got to say, God should not tempt the Lord your God. So you are going to go through those type of temptations, okay? It is biblical. It is biblical. People who are apostolic have been through these type of temptations, you know. And it even says here, away with the, after the enemy tempted him, um, 
you know, Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall not worship the Lord. You shall not worship. I mean, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you, sh- you, shall, you shall serve. So basically, you, you, you shall not you shall not worship any other God. Only your Lord you should worship and serve. So you will get through those. And, and that is like basically um, some of you, this might be you uh, disagreeing with man and agreeing with God. Maybe at your job you have to disagree with homosexuality, right? Because over there they are worshiping homosexuality and you have to say, no, the Lord says this, right? You have to put your feet down. And tell the enemy to get thee behind you. That could be temptations of lust, you know, temptations of money, you know, um, mammon, like a lot of different temptations you have to endure. And some of you are already going through those temptations. And they, and God says, be strong and of good courage, okay? Who he bege- who the, the person, God, who began a good work will see it into completion, if you need help, just pray for God to send his angels to help you. This temptations the Lord Jesus went through and he overcame it. He was able to overcome it. But how how did he do that? With the word of God. So God says the key, the key, the key to your deliverance, to your uh, being able to pass these tests. Because with God, if you don't pass the test, you have to go Go from go back to the line and go through the test again. You gotta pass it, right? Before you can be crowned that apostle or crowned that prophet. And so you're doing it rightly, you're doing it in obedience, you're doing it uh justly, you're doing it truthfully, not like other people that are overnight prophets. Because when you do it this way, you are able to stand before your giants when you meet them, you know, when you're able to go and minister, you you already been through this type of testing so you know you already defeated the enemy in that area in that category okay and so this is this is helping you to be better when you do step into your role that you are able to conquer and defeat and dismantle and build right just as we see in jeremiah 1 right god says what overthrow build right and so this is your training ground uh, training grounds are not always fun, right? They're not roses and flowers and butterflies and, and you know, fruits and berries and chocolate. They're, you know, eating um, manna, right? They're very not so fun. Um, they're, not, they're not a full, full steak with potatoes on the side and all of that. No, it's intense. It's intense. But let me tell you this. Greater is he that is in you. And he that's in the world. You got you to gotta encourage yourself with the word of God, okay, and defeat the enemy with the word of God. So this is what God is saying is that, get, you know, he's trying to give you a backbone, okay. Uh, trials come, temptations come, but God is with you. He said to, to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I am with you. You know, go, be, be courageous, be bold and courageous. The Lord your God goes what? He goes with you. And he goes before you. He goes with you, before you. Wherever you are, he's already there. Just as he led the angel of the Lord to be behind the Israelites as they moved through the wilderness and also moved move the angels from behind them to in front of them, he knows how to position his angels to help you. All you got to do is open your mouth and ask him. Um, and don't beat yourself up with guilt, with 
self-condemnation. Don't do that. Speak well over yourself. Encourage yourself. If you need to have a moment and say, you know what? Let me get myself together. Do that. Because the enemy, he's watching, okay? And just as he watched Job, he's watching you, how you're going to behave. And he's going to send people, like Job's wife, to tell you to curse God and die. But we're not going to do that. Why? Because we know who and whose we serve. We serve the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We know how the story ends. We know he's a great, great father. He's a good, good father. And we know that he has defeated the enemy, okay? The enemy is more scared of you than you are scared of it. And so my encouragement to you is keep going, keep plowing, keep stepping, and armor yourself with the word of God. That is your weapon. That is the weapon that Jesus had. He didn't have a knife. He didn't have a sword. Well, he had a sword, which is the word, right? But he didn't have like any physical thing. He had himself, right? And, and the Holy Spirit that led him in there did not leave him there, right? Um, and he had the word, the word, the word, the word. This is the time of the word for you. If your coworker pisses you off, go in the word. If somebody mistreat you, go in the word. If you have an issue with your husband as a wife, go in the word. If you are struggling with something, go in the word. If you need an answer from the Lord and you've not heard him, go in the word and ask him, okay, tell me which part of the Bible I need to read today. He will tell you, okay? So be encouraged. Um, the enemy will not be, be victorious. You already have the victory. This, this, this temptations, this testing, you have already won it. It's already won in the heavenly places. It's already won in heaven, okay? You're just passing through to get your victory. That's all. You're just passing through, okay? It's like, imagine, you know, if you had to travel to a city, and they told you that you already have a house, you already have a car, right? If you're a man, you already have a wife there. Or if you're a woman, you already have a husband. All you got to do is just drive through and go. That's all you're doing. You're driving through to get to your victory. Your victory is waiting for you, okay? So be, be encouraged, be courageous, be bold, be fearless. God is with you. Indulge yourself in the word of God. All right, so I'm going to play the song Instrument by Travis Green, and then we're going to dig into our chapter, second part of this um, mini lessons of chapter. Yeah, yeah, I'm 
That was a song by um, Travis Green, Instrument. And that's true, you know. We are instruments in the hands of God. And every instrument is delicate. You have to treat it delicately because it could break. You know, the string could, could tear. It could scratch. And God knows how, how to play us so that we, are, we, we sound beautiful. Our life sounds beautiful. Our, our life looks beautiful like an instrument. You know, and he knows how to take care of us. As delicate right because you don't just move instrument anyhow you, you don't just push it anyhow you, you don't just carry it anyhow you want to be careful with it because it's expensive 
right? And if it breaks, you have to replace it. And it's a lot of money, right? So every one of us is expensive to God. We are um, bought with the price, the blood of Jesus, right? And we are delicate in God's hands. He is very careful with how he plays us, how he handles us, because he doesn't want to break us, right? So sometimes you might feel like, oh, I'm going through all this issues, blah, blah, blah. I feel like God is taking, putting too much on me. No, God will never put more on you than you can bear. He will put things on you that he knows can bring out the strength in you, what he's already placed in you, okay? And so sometimes you might be somebody who is a Jephthah, who has been neglected, or maybe the black sheep in your family, or even in your ministry, or even in your church, or your, your workplace, or wherever, your friends, and you feel like, oh, you know, this is something that is difficult for you. Maybe God is trying to bring the bold Jephthah out of you, the one that can face the king with questions and literally put an army together and fight against the people of Ammon to help, you know, the Israelites. The same people that meant it for evil were the people that he went to rescue. Just like Joseph, right? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He was preparing him in the wilderness. He was preparing him in the pit, in the prison, in the palace. Just like Jephthah, he was, he, was, he was being prepared when he left home, right? And so know that everything works together for your good, right? Romans 8, 28. So let's continue. Uh, we, we are halfway done, almost done. So let's look at um, Judges eleven twenty nine. I hope you guys are liking this and getting some help, you know, with whatever issue that you're going through. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. My God, I love that part. You know, when you say yes to God, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, I believe, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So the thing about God is that he gives you grace. Whenever you obey God and you surrender and you say, Lord, let your will be done, not mine. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. God does not send you out by yourself. Jephthah knew God. He knew that when he said to the Lord, let's do this. The moment he said, render judgment, that God will render judgment, he was putting the armor, the sword in the Lord's hands. And so when he said, when he gave the Lord glory and gave the Lord um, attention and said, the Lord is the one that you're going to fight against, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's when Jesus was uh, reading in the, in the synagogue. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to, who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. I love this passage. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's deliverance, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. And that reminds me of Matthew 6.33 and also Psalms 1.26. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is basically what it means when the spirit of the Lord comes upon a man or a woman. It's for the purpose of the people. It's for salvation. It's for the, the prison gates being open. It's for the captives coming out. It's for people who have the heaviness 
having joy, having a spirit of joy. You know, it's for the glory of God. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. And that is what we need. Before you are sent out, the Spirit of the Lord has to come upon you. Because you can't go in your might. Just as the Lord Jesus told the disciples, that do not leave, do not go until you have the Holy Spirit. This is what makes somebody different from who is sent and who goes on their own accord. The sent ones have the Spirit of the Lord upon them. And that's why they are able to sustain the, the 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 ministry that's how they're able to sustain the assignment that's how they're able to run the race that is set upon before them because it, they're not doing it by their might or their power but but they're doing it by the lord's help it's not by might it's not by power but it's by the spirit of the lord the spirit of god so there are people who you know, can pick up a microphone and start praying. And all they have to say is Jesus or praise the Lord. And you just feel the Spirit of God just coming from the room because the Spirit of God is upon them. And there are those who just scream and scream and scream and holler and just make loud noise in the ears of God and people because the Spirit of the Lord has not come upon them. And so the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, upon Jephthah. So the, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. And he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. Only the Spirit of the Lord upon you can have, can make you be able to pass through all these land and all these people. He passed through that. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Some of you cannot defeat your demons and your and your strongholds and your and your and the and the enemy because the spirit of the Lord has not come upon you. You're doing it in your minds. He knew the spirit of the Lord. He he needed God, and I believe that's why he had to be neglected by his family so that he can go into the wilderness and have that Psalms one twenty one. I look to the hills where my help come from. That moment with God because when you truly have a relationship with God. He knows how to put his spirit on you to be able to defeat and conquer. So he went through all of this because he had the spirit of the Lord with him. That's why David told the Lord, please do not let your spirit depart from me. Because he knows that he cannot defeat his enemies without the spirit of God. That's why David was so bold in telling Goliath that you came here to fight me. But guess what? You're not fighting me. You're fighting the, you're fighting the Lord the God, the Lord of heaven's armies. Not me, not just me. You're fighting angels. You're fighting the Lord of the Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord of hosts, you're fighting him. Because he knew that he wasn't there by himself. He was there with God. Even though he had the skill sets in the sheep, when, when he was defending the sheep, when he told you know Saul, like, hey, I, I fought bears and I fought lions and tigers and whatnot. But he still knew that it wasn't him that was going to fight this giant. Even though he was there presently, even though he had, you know, the equipment that he, he's, he's used to, he still knew that he, he had something bigger. The Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord of hosts. So, 30. So I want to ask you, the lesson here is, are you doing it with God or are you doing it by yourself? The lesson here is, 
have you allowed the Lord to put his spirit on you before you, you move out, before you do what you have to do? Have you, have you heeded to God? Have you allowed him to put his spirit on you? You know when the spirit of the Lord is upon somebody. And you know when the spirit of the Lord is upon you. There are moments, even for me, when I'm worshiping, I'm like, God, I don't feel you. Sometimes you feel God, and sometimes you don't feel God. Okay? And there are times when you, you preach, and there are times when you pick up the microphone, and you're praying, and you don't feel the Spirit of the Lord. And that's when you have to, you know, go back and maybe repent and ask the Lord to, to help you, because you cannot do it alone. I always say, I can never preach without God. I don't come here and just preach about anything or teach about anything I want or prophesy or pray about anything I want. I'm always led by God. I'm like, Lord, if you don't come with me, I'm not going. I remember my first time I ever preached. I preached from Psalms 91. And I preached in a Baptist church. And I remember I was fasting the whole week. And I was like, Lord, I need you to tell me what to preach about. Because, you know, when you go to preach at a place... God will have to give you what to preach about because that's what the people need. You don't come up with what you want to preach. That's not how it works. Even with prophecy, God gives you the prophetic word for the, you know, for the place. Are you going as an apostle? Are you going as a pastor? Are you going as a teacher? Are you going, to, are you going as a prophet? Are you going as a, as a psalmist? What are you going as, right? So I was, I was praying. I was praying, praying, praying. I was like, Lord, I need you to give me the right words, the, the right message. What do, you, what do you want me to teach the people? What do you want me to preach to the people? I was fasting for two days, praying, nothing. God was silent. I was like, ooh, what's going on? Like, did I, did I do something wrong? What's happening here? Like, am I not supposed to go? You told me I'm supposed to go. What's going on? And so I remember I was in my office, and I closed the door. And I, it, was, it was the day, the day off, the day I was supposed to preach. That night, I went to work. I closed my office, and I was praying, worshiping. I was just trying to, I'm listening, I'm like, listen to God, nothing, then God's, and as I was praying and worshiping in my office, God was giving me prophetic words, prophetic message, he wanted me to pray for a man who was, who was having pleural infusion issues, he he was having fluid in his belly, in his lungs, actually, it was in his lungs, and um, I was actually doing cancer. I've done cancer research before and pleural effusion research before. So I knew what he was talking to me about. So I was like, wait, why are you talking to me about this? Not knowing that the pastor's wife's brother had pleural effusion, had lungs, water in his lungs. And so he, want, he wanted me to go and prophesy and pray for, for that. So I was getting word, word of knowledge. I was getting word of knowledge, you know, and prophecy. And I was not getting any word, any Bible verses to preach. I was like, what's going on? Because God wanted me to go with the spirit that he put on me as a prophet. He didn't want me to go there just as a teacher or a preacher. But he wanted me to go there as a prophet as well. So he was giving me prophetic messages. Because the spirit of the Lord that came upon me for that ministry to minister to them was was, was a spirit of prophecy. was basically... The Lord's hand of prophetic anointing on me to go and be a prophet there. So I went there. I said hi to people. I went down, sat down, put my worship on in my ears. Like people came and preached. It was my turn. Literally like 10 minutes before I was going to go up, they played the song. 
And that was the song that I needed to hear. And as I was worshiping to the song, the Lord just downloaded to me Psalms 91. And I'm like, I have not looked at Psalms 91 today, but we go, I'm going to work with you. I'm going, I'm going to be like Jephthah here. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me for, for Psalms 91. I already have a prophetic word. And I'm going to pass through Gilead. I'm going to pass through Manasseh. I'm going to pass through uh, Zip, Zippah of Gilead. I'm going to pass through to the people of Ammon. And we're going to possess this, <laughs> this land of Psalms 91. <laughs> so I preach Psalms 91. Well, I taught it with it, prophetically. I literally prophetically taught this. I did not prepare for it. God was, I was listening to God and he was telling me what to say here and what to, to connect it to. Y'all, if, it, if the Spirit of the Lord was not upon me to teach uh, Psalms 91, I would have never been able to teach that. I, would, I, in my own accord, would not have been able to teach it. It was the Lord that had to do it. And honestly, I didn't even get a chance to prophesy. The prophetic word was demonstrated in front of me. They started to talk about the, the, the brother who had blow infusion. So know that wherever God takes you, if his spirit is not there with you, you can't do it. You cannot. I couldn't do it. I was like sitting there like, oh, God, I'm about to go up. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to? I knew I didn't have nothing. So many people who want to go and do things in their own accord, you are going to be overtaken. Because when the spirit of the Lord is upon you, the spirit of might come upon you. The spirit of might came upon me. I was bold on that stadium. <laughs> I was bold on that pulpit. I was really bold. I was saying things, preaching, connecting the word of God to the right. I was like, whoa, where did this come from? Where did this revelation come from? It was because of the spirit of the Lord. When the spirit of the Lord come upon you, you become complete for the assignment. Not every assignment, but for that assignment that you need to do. So not every assignment is your assignment, okay? So let's go. Let's continue. It says here, 30. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So, vows. Vows are very important to God. When you make a vow to the Lord, you have to obey it. You have to do your part. That's how the Bible says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Vowing to God, and that leads to marriage. God is, God is talking to me about marriage right now. That's, what, that's why God hates divorce, because you are disconnecting from the vow that you made in front of him to to love enriching in riches in poverty in lack in in prosperity in sickness and health you are making a vow with another person in front of god so god hates when we go against the vows that we make because god is very intentional when it comes to vows he does not Take it lightly when we don't obey the vows that we make to him. The Bible says, when you make a vow to the Lord, Deuteronomy 23, 21 to 23. 
When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for it will be as it will be sin in you, and the Lord your God will surely require it of you. However, if you refrain from vowing, it will not be sin in you. So it basically, if you don't vow, then you don't have to pay your vow, right? So that's why you have to be careful. You know, many of people when they are in horrible situations, oh God, please, please. If if one time, if just one time you help me out of this, I'm going to do this. this, 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 this. They, they list all of these things they're going to do, but they never do it. God will come to collect. He will come to collect your portion of the vow. It says here, you shall be careful to perform what goes out of your lips. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will what eat its fruit. You will have to eat the fruit of vowing. It says, let's continue. Just as you have voluntarily, you volunteered yourself. God didn't come to tell you to vow. You volunteered. You vow to the Lord, your God, what you have promised. Okay. Numbers 32 says, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation, he shall not violate his vow. I mean, his word. He shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Proverbs 20, 25. It is a trap for a man to say rashly, it is holy. And after the vows to make iniquity. So don't be rush with your vows. Um, let's see. I'll read one more. Um, let's go from a, a woman's perspective. It says here. Uh, numbers thirty, numbers thirty-three to eight. It says also, if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by an obligation in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and her obligation by which she has bound herself, and her father says nothing to, to her, then all her vows shall stand, and every obligation by which she has bound herself shall stand. Basically, if her father does not object her vow, then the vow stands. But if her father object the vow, then, you know, the vow doesn't stand. If her father basically said no to the vow. But if her father should forbid her on the day he hears of it, none of her vow or her obligation by which she has bound herself shall stand. And the Lord will forgive her because her father had forbidden her. See, God is, God is a God of order. He's a God of order. Okay, he knows that the, he has entrusted a father in the hands. He has entrust. He has entrusted a child in the hands of a father. He so so he's not gonna go against the authority of the father. Though God is sovereign over the father, he he sometimes gives parents a leeway to be able to do things like, for example, he says, "Do not, do not, you know, stop the rod from a child," meaning that you are to discipline your child. How you discipline your child, he didn't really say. But he gives us, he gives parents a way for them to discipline their child, right? So God knows how to give parents authority to help their children in right alignment. So here, Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, hey, God, if you allow me to be able to, you know, 
get deliver the people out of the hands of the Ammon, the the um the people of Ammon, then you know whoever meets me at the door when I come back home in peace will be given to you as a burnt offering. And during that time, when kings or leaders or leaders of armies go out to fight, when they came back, the people would come and meet and meet, um, meet them. Majority of the time, it was the people in the city or the people, you know, in the neighborhood of just, you know, normally it was not people that they, they knew personally, but it will be the people in the city that will come. So Jephthah made this vow and he had to, you know, deliver and God delivered. So let's see what God, God did. Remember that the king um, Sion did not trust Israel to pass through his territory, right? So Sion gathered all his people together. Um, we see here in uh, Judges eleven twenty, But because the Spirit of the Lord was on Jephthah, he was able to pass through places that normally would not allow him to pass through. So after he made the vow, let's see what happens here. Then it will, well, he, he said, whoever comes that I, you know, I will give them as a burnt offering. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of, um, of Ammon to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he defeated them from area as far as Minit, 20 cities. Wow. I say wow because it's what 20 cities the Lord literally graced him to do this. Let's continue. Even 20 cities and onto the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. So he won. He won against them. And he defeated them because... Not because he was strong, not because he was rejected, not because he was, you know, a man of valor, but because the Spirit of the Lord was on him. And he made an um, agreement with the Lord. Sometimes our agreement with the Lord is given, sowing. Sometimes it's sowing where you're going, you know. Sometimes it's sowing your time, sowing your money, okay, sowing prayers, you don't have to vow all the time because if you cannot keep your vow, it's better to sow your time or your money or your service, your help, right? Some, somebody might have an issue with vowing. You're always vowing to the Lord all the time. God, I promise I'll do this, do this. Some of you are probably been promising the Lord you do this in your marriage or your ministry or even some of you have promised that you're going to go and exercise, or maybe write a book or eat better. Eat better. Some of you have promised you're not going to watch something that you know it's not right for you to watch. Some of you have promised you're not going to eat too much or drink too much. You're not going to, you know, lie or do whatever it is you've been promising the Lord. You have to pay it forward because he will help you. He will do his part. Just as we see here. The lesson here is that. Jephthah knew that he, he needed the Lord to be with him. 
And he acknowledged the Lord in this by, you know, making a vow. That's not the only way to acknowledge God. You can, you know, pray to him. You don't have to make a vow or you can sow where you're going, you know, with, with money or your time or your service. Then he knew he expected God to, to do his part. The lesson here is expecting when you, you talk to God that he will do his part so that you also have to do your part. So let's continue. 34. When Jephthah came to his house, in, to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him. Oh God, with trembles and dancing, and she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. This reminds me of Abraham and Isaac. Remember, he he said a vow here. He said what? When I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's. I will offer it up as a burnt, a burnt offering. What is he going to offer up? He said, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me. His daughter is the whatever comes out. I think he was, I mean, he doesn't really say here, but I think he was probably thinking there are going to be sheep outside when he comes, or I don't know. He, I don't think he was thinking that there are going to be people outside. Better yet, his own daughter. And that, that is very um, tragic. He didn't offer his daughter, but he offered it, his daughter unknowingly. He didn't, he did not um, decide what he was going to offer. See, that's, the thing about God is that he's very specific. See, he was general. He said, whatever, whatever comes out of, out of the doors of my house, whatever. He should have been like, whatever animal, <laughs> right? If you're going to make a vow, you, you need to be specific with the Lord, right? If you're going to make a vow... If you know you can do, you can vow to exercise for a whole year. Well, then vow to exercise for one month, and see how that vow goes. He needed to be specific. That's the lesson that he needed to learn here. That the lesson is that when you vow to God, you need to be specific. You can't be like whatever. Well, God can, whatever comes, then whatever, right? He didn't know his daughter could be the whatever. Because I believe that if he knew, he probably would have tweaked his vow a little bit more. So, God literally did his part. So, he had to do his part. 35. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. <laughs> I don't know why he said that. Like, she, she didn't do anything. You are the one who made the vow. She didn't know about the vow. For I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. And that's the, the lesson here, is that when you give your word to the Lord, you cannot go back on it. So when you say, I do, in front of God and all everybody, you can't go back on it. You have to do your best to stay in your marriage. Now, if somebody is beating you and mistreating you, abusing you, cheating on you, then yeah, re revisit that marriage. But 
when you make a vow to the Lord, when you give your word to God, you have to be integral. This is the test of integrity that he had to pass. You already looked at Deuteronomy numbers about what happens if you don't, you know, obey God's, when you don't give your part of the vow. And he tore his clothes because it's a time of grief. So 36, so she said to him, my father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. I believe that, you know, if it was up to Jephthah, he'd be like, you know what, Lord, take, take my, take my, 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 my brothers that forsake me and threw me out of this house, take them and leave my child, Right. He literally was rejected by his brothers. He left. He got closer to God. He, they came back to him and, and you know, repented and said, hey, we, we need you to come back and help us. And he's like, okay, I would do it. But would you be, make me the leader? And he's like, and they're like, yeah. And then he, you know, he, he praised to God. He told, he told the people, I'm acknowledging God before you. God is the one that's going to, you know, render judgment, right? Not knowing that. He was also going to have to render judgment, too, in his own household. The Spirit of the Lord come upon him. He makes a vow. And now he has to give the vow. And his daughter, you know, says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's older, he will not depart from it. His daughter knew that if he's given a word to the Lord, then what, he's been, what she's been taught is that when you give your word to God, you have to, you have to what? Deliver it. You have to, you have to do it. You have to do it. You can't go back on it. And so his daughter was in agreement. That is a very sad moment, you know, to be somebody to actually defend your enemies and have to lose that very one thing that you love. No parent want to kill their child, offer their child. We see that with, you know, Abraham. Abraham was like, told his servant, wait here. We're going to go up there and we are going to come back. Even though Abraham was walking in obedience, he was hoping in his heart that he wouldn't have to sacrifice Isaac. But in here, you know, the Lord didn't tell Jephthah to sacrifice his, his child. He didn't tell him to make a vow. He made a vow voluntarily. And so now he has to deliver. And it's a good thing that his daughter is in agreement. Then she said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months that I may go and wander on the mountains and, be and bewail my virginity. Bewail means basically to cry and to, to, um, to be sorrowful and to just mourn my friends and I. So she was like, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to go along with your vow. But I just need time to go and mourn with my friends. That's Jephthah's daughter on the mo motorcycle leaving to the mountains. <laughs> um, I try to incorporate these sounds that come around, you know, into this teaching. Anyway, so Jeph Jephthah's daughter and, his, and her friends, they go to the mountains to, to cry. It, wasn't, it, was, it was a sad moment because there's victory in Israel, but then there's mourning in Jephthah's heart and Jephthah's house. Sometimes, the lesson here also is that sometimes when you say yes 
to an assignment, it can um, deprive you of something. You know, many, many doctors I know from working in the medical field, they say, yes, the, the assignment of being a doctor, they don't see their children, you know. They miss out on a lot of things at home. Many pastors miss out on other things at home, counseling other people's family, right? Um, there's sacrifices that you, you have to endure. And you have to do your part because you vow to the Lord that he can use you, that he, you are going to be his mouthpiece as a prophet or you are going to set the captives free because the Spirit of the Lord has come upon you as an apostle. Um, that you are going to go to the nations. Going to the nations... You can be in the nations and be at home at the same time, right? Um, and so you have to do your part of the vow. When you tell the Lord, use me. I'll be your instrument. Like the song by Travis Green. You are going to be used. And you have to neglect certain things. Even though this walk of Christianity, we have to avoid certain things to keep ourselves righteous and holy, you know, um, and integral. There are things that we cannot indulge ourselves with, right? It's all part of the sacrifice. So she was sacrificed. She was a, a sacrificial offering of a vow. Um, I think that Jephthah was probably thinking that, you know, there was going to be a, a goat that was going to meet him or a cow or something, not a human being. Maybe one of his brothers could meet him. <laughs> I'm joking. But um, this is a sad moment, right? And so she goes up there with her friends um, to mourn. 38. So he said, go. And he sent her away for two months. And she went with her friends and bewailed her virginity on the mountains. And it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father. Uh, bewailed her virginity. Um, back then, not like how now. Nobody tested a car before they bought it. Nobody had sex before they got married, okay? Everyone was a virgin at their wedding night. Not like now that some people are not. Anyway, so, and he carried, and it says, and it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father. She didn't run away. She could have run away. <laughs> I would have. I'm joking. Oh, Lord, it could have ended really, really badly if she ran away. She, could, she probably could have, I don't know what would have happened, but the Lord would not have. You, ha, you can't turn back your words when you vow to the Lord. I, I don't know, but I, for me, I believe that, you know, maybe he could have prayed and to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I didn't think this is how it was going to play out. Can we re revisit this vow? Can, can you please have a change of heart? Can I kill 10, ten goats? You know, but the Bible does say the Bible says when you make a vow to the Lord, you have to obey the promise, right? But at least he could have prayed and asked the Lord. It's, it doesn't hurt to ask God, right? It doesn't hurt. I mean, look at the 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 prophet Hezekiah when he was told by the by the other prophet that he was going to die. What did he do? He turned his face to the Lord and he cried and he praised God and he prayed, and God added more years to his life. So. He could have prayed. I don't know why he, he didn't pray. I don't know. But, hey, we don't know why Jephthah did not pray to God and ask God to revisit this vow and keep his only daughter. But this is symbolic of Jesus Christ. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Not my will, but your will be done. 
right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, God had to watch His Son die. He had to deliver His Son. Jesus had to drink the cup of death. We see it a connection here that, in a way, Jephthah's daughter was like the sacrifice for Israel to be free from the people of Ammon. I mean, God was the one that did it, but that like saved the the people of Israel. But in a way, like he sacrificed his own child to free people. And in a way, it's like God sacrificing his own son to free us. It's not fun. It's not happy-go-lucky. It's it hurts on both the father and the child. Jesus wept, wept, right? He was in anguish. He was praying so much that he was sweating blood. That is a lot of anguish. And here was the Peter, Paul, and James snoring, sleeping. He would go and check up on them and then go back and pray. And like, can't you just stay up with me for an hour? Just like Jephthah, Jephthah's daughter. He needed her friends with her before she went to paradise. Jesus needed his friends. You know, at least Jephthah's, friend, Jephthah's daughter's friends didn't sleep. But they mourned with her. But Peter, James, and John, they were snoring. They were snoring in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's why Jesus told Peter, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Because he was about to cut an ear of somebody. Sometimes if you don't pray, you will fall into temptation. You will be cutting people's ears that you shouldn't be cutting. Anyway, let's go back. Let's see what happens here. And it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father and he carried out his vow with her, which she had vowed. She knew no man. She was a virgin. And it became a custom in Israel. Oh, at least they remembered her, right? Just as they remember, we, we remember Jesus. But how, how did they remember her? That the daughters of Israel went four days each year to lament. Lament means to, like lamentation, you know, the book of lamentation, to grieve, to, to mourn, you know. The daughter of Jephthah, in, the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. So they remembered her. Like how we remember Jesus on Good Friday when he was, you know, when, he, when we remember him even with the Lord's Supper, right? He sacrificed his life for us. All we can do, the best we can do is to acknowledge him and remember him, right? We, we remember Jesus with the, the Lord's Supper. We remember him on Good Friday, Easter, Christmas. Even Thanksgiving, we should remember. Every day you should remember him. His sacrifice is something to remember. So the lesson here is that whoever lays their life for you, whoever does the impossible to help you, to be free, to help you, you should should remember them. We see here that they remembered the daughter of Jephthah. Right? They remember her. They remember her life. Every year they go and remember her life to lament. Right? And so we've learned a lot of lessons here about Jephthah. I 
I learned about Jephthah in 2021, no, 2020, three years ago, I think, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. I never read the book of Jephthah. I remember I was praying and I was crying about an issue that I was having. And I had my Bible. I took my Bible at the time while I was praying. And um, I felt rejected. I felt rejected by a leader. I felt overlooked. And I remember I was going back to the Lord and I was praying. And in a way, I put the leader as somebody almost, almost, not 100%, I almost put a leader in God's place. And I remember after I felt the leader's saw moment, I went to the Lord and I was praying and I was, I was weeping. I remember I was, I was telling the Lord that only, only him, he is the only one that has my heart. He's the only one that is my leader. And I was like, Lord, because every, everything that I experience, mo- most things that I experience that is huge in my life, I always ask God, what part of the Bible should I be looking at? Because where can I learn? Who am I in the, in the Bible right now, in this season or in this moment? And I kid you not, my Bible, I, I opened my Bible. I don't know why I opened, I opened my Bible, but I just opened it. And it went straight to Jephthah. And the, the name Jephthah, like it went straight to Judges 11. The name Jephthah just stood out so bold to me in, the, in all these letters and, and numbers and words in this Bible. This part of the Bible just stood like bold in my face. And then I did not read it. Then the same day, I think the next day, I opened it again, right back there. And I was like, okay, God, I get you. I'm going to read it. And I read it and I was like, wow. Okay. All right. I, got, I, I hear the lessons that you're teaching me here. Okay. So Jephthah, I, I'm, I don't really spend time in the book of um, the Old Testament most of the time. I'm mostly a New Testament person, but God literally took me to Jephthah, and I was reading, and I was like, wow. So, recently, God took me to Jephthah, but a different part, a different portion of Jephthah. And I remember another time, I made a vow to the Lord, and the Lord took me back to Jephthah, into the book of Jephthah about vows. And I was like, ooh. So... God has used Jephthah to teach me a lot of things. And this yesterday, I felt the need as I was reading Jephthah, not because of anything, but because I, just, I was just reading it. I was, I was, I've been reading the book of Judges from beginning. So I got to Jephthah. I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember you. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I need to teach about Jephthah. And the Lord just... Gave, gave me so many revelations and tied it together. And I was like, whoa, hold on. And so today I'm like, okay, let me just, let me teach about Jephthah. So I hope that you were blessed. So I've been blessed by the book of Jephthah. Well, not, not the book, the book of Judges, but the story of Jephthah. Uh, we, it's, there's more to Jephthah. You know, 
uh, Judges 12, you can learn about Jephthah's conflict with Ephraim. Um, and then read about Samson and all of that. Uh, but I hope you were blessed. I hope that every revelation that I, I got from the Lord, that God added more revelation and more lessons that maybe I did not see um, that you could learn from. And you can share it with me because, you know, I'm always open to hear what other people get from what God is showing them through the word of God. We all learn from each other, right? Uh, and so, Father, we thank you for this moment of learning about Jephthah, about rejection, about spending time with you, getting to know the friendship of who you are, about forgiveness, about um, being able to put differences aside and helping those who were once our enemies, um, even about being bold in, in, the, in the sight of kings, being bold in, in taking authority over those that come against our family, even, even when our family and I, our family and ourselves did not um, see eye to eye that when the time comes for the spirit of might, for your spirit to come upon us, that we are able to step into the rightful position and possess and, and know that you are the one that rendered judgment, God. That even though we know our history and we know where we came from, we know that you are sovereign, that you are Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning, the beginning and the end. You are history itself. You are what is to come, and you are what it is, and you are what has passed. And so I pray that those that have been making vows to you, that they will revisit their vows. The Holy Spirit, you will bring it back into remembrance. Some of them are like, oh, God, help me forget it. <laughs> no. You need to obey the Lord and, and just as Jephthah said, God, help us to, to give our word and not go back on it. And so whatever vows that we've made, God, I just ask you that you will help us to render what belongs to you. Just as you have given us what we asked for when we made the vows. And whatever the vow was, and whatever the circumstances is, whatever we need to sacrifice, if it's time, if it's money, if it's, um, you know, surrender, if it's um, relationships, you know, if it's working harder, uh, if it's mindset, if it's character, even if it's things that we like, it's not easy for us to give, up, to give over the things that we like. It's very easy for us to give over the things that we don't like. So whatever the vow entails, give us the Holy Spirit boldness and the fear of the Lord to be able to do our part and help us to have our yes be yes and our no be no and help us to have alternatives, other things that we can do instead of vowing. We can pray, we can give, you know, uh, we can trust in you, whatever it is. Help us to know that our, our vows are important. Um, and forgive us for any vows that we did not give our word to. I pray for those that have made vows in your marriages, that they will not throw their marriage away, um, that they will work hard. They have, if you have to go to therapy, if they have to forgive each other, if, they have to, um, re if you have to recompense them, God, if you have to knit them back together, if they have to put you back some of them have been like the Israelites where they, they went after other gods and other idols. And some of them 
they cheated in their marriage, and now they have to forgive. I just pray that God, you would extend your your spirit upon this marriage and help them to be able to replenish and relinquish what they need to relinquish to you and restore what they need to restore. And even ministries and relationship and families, God, we see that families were torn apart. So whatever mended family that you need to mend, whatever blended families, God, let them put their differences aside and not drive each other away, but let them love each other in the blended family that they are in. And um, those that have to sacrifice your family for ministry or for for career, for the bettering of other people, I just pray that you would give them the strength that they need. Um, those that have to watch their family be a sacrificial offering for their obedience to help other people be free, like how Jephthah um, freed, freed the people of Israel from the people of Ammon, um, that you would give them the grace uh, to be able to handle that. And I pray for those that are in the position of Jephthah's daughter, that they will have friends that will help them lament and help them go along with what it is that you're doing. There are many PK kids that are like Jephthah's daughter, that they, they, they don't die physically, but they lose touch with their family. It's as though their, their parents are not there because their parents are always so busy in the church or busy in the hospitals, being a doctor, you know, with their career for the bettering of other people's lives. I just pray that you bring friends around them that will not sleep in the garden like Peter, James, and John, but watch at least stay up and pray with them and, and lament with them. And I pray that they will remember the daughter of Jephthah, just as we remember Jesus. Let us remember Jesus, just as the Israelites remembered the daughter of Jephthah, that we will always remember the goodness of Jesus, the sacrifices of Jesus, that the, the things that he laid down for us. So every time that we look at the church, at his bride, and we will remember him, his, his bride, the church is a remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus. So every Sunday, every time we go to church, every time we open our word, let us remember it's all about Jesus. So help us in any places that we need to learn these lessons, God, and implement it into our lives. Forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Help us to know how to handle those that have hurt us. Some of them we have to let go. Some of them we have to bring closer to, our, to us. But whatever we have to do, we have to forgive. Some of them we cannot bring back into our lives. Some of them we have to restore into our lives. But give us wisdom in how to handle our life issues. Give us that lessons that we've learned from chapter today. Let your will be done. Let these words fall on good soil, God. And in all of this, we give you glory. Because just as it says in Isaiah 61, we do all of this for your glory, God. Not for us. The captives are, are free. The prison gates are open. All for your glory that we do this. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by your spirit. That the planting of the Lord 
that he may be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. And we, we, we remember you today, Jesus. We want to say thank you for your sacrifice for us to be free, for your death, for your resurrection. And even for now, being at the Father's right hand, praying on our behalf, we say thank you, Jesus. And we, we remember you today for everything that you do and you have done for us. Amen.
All right. So friends and family, thank you so much for listening to Devoted with Bernice today. We learned about Jephthah. We went through the book of Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Proverbs, uh, Numbers. We went the book of Samuel. We went through different places. And majority of things that I talked about, I did not have it in my notes. The Lord added it to it. And if I butchered any of the words, any of the names, I said Sihon instead of Sion. Sorry about that. Um, I just... Hope that you will forgive me. <laughs> um, but anyway, I hope that you were blessed today. I really hope that you learned something about chapter um, and about doing something in your life for the better of your life and other people. Uh, today, I played a lot of songs. Um, again, I use these songs to add to the ministry of teaching. Because if I always talk and never play a song, it kind of be, will be kind of boring, right? So not, none of these songs belong to me. I'm just using it. I don't have the copyright, you know, privileges to this song. But whatever song ministered to you, you can go to YouTube, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you get music and listen to it. I played Elevation song. I played Maverick City. I played Travis Green song. Um... And I played Tasha Cop's song, You Know My Name. Um, so go ahead and go get their songs and be blessed. Uh, if you think that this blessed you, share with somebody else. Um, at the end of the day, I just want you to really take like five minutes and just ask the Lord, what is he telling you through this message, through this teaching, through this um, story of Jephthah? What is he saying to you personally? Um, and let him talk to you. Just be quiet, be still before him, and he will minister to your heart, to your mind. He might even give you a vision. He might even tell you to reread um, Judges 11. Whatever he tells you, just let him lead you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Be blessed. Pour out on us. Won't you pour out on us? 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 Say it. Won't you pour out on us? Oh God. Won't you pour out on us? That's what we want. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Say, pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us?
Go! 